You know, I had all those pictures of that winter stuff up, and I was thinking maybe I should have put pictures of fires and stuff up for us to at least trick our brains into thinking that we are warm. Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14. Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14. The title of today's sermon is Keeping Warm, which I think is a fitting title. Uh, But we're not talking about keeping warm physically, although we need to do that over the next couple of days. We are going today to be talking about keeping warm spiritually. Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14. When you get it, say, got it. All right, I like to hear a lot of got it. That's good. I like for people to read along. These are kind of some tough verses, and we're not going to dig into them probably as much as we could because there's a a lot of things that can be talked about in these verses. We're going to kind of focus on the end of this passage, but I want us to look at the whole passage that's going on here and at least talk about the context of what's taking place. Uh, but but we're not going to delve too much into that today. We've we've kind of dove into this idea, speaking of things of the end times that are to come, and maybe how to discern and decipher these verses that we're looking at. Uh, we talked about that back when we were going through our series in Revelation, and we talked about these very verses in some better detail. You can find some of those sermons online if you care to go back and, and learn a little more about these verses in greater detail. Uh, but today we're just going to kind of talk about uh, staying warm spiritually, the importance of that uh, individually, and the importance of that as a, as a church, as a group of Christians that come together, uh, preparing for the new year, preparing for what may lay ahead in our lives, not just in 2018, uh, but in, in, in the rest of our life, no matter how many days, months, or years that we may have. Now, next week's sermon will be Kind of, kind of looking forward to the future uh, of, of what God could be leading us to and some things uh, that are coming down the road. So next week's sermon won't be a typical sermon like what we usually hear, but it'll be more of a, of a vision-casting sermon, if we can call it that, just to kind of talk about uh, the vision of, of some things that are going to be going on and some uh, vision of, of what I feel like God is leading us to in the future. So I encourage you guys to come and be here for that next Sunday as we look ahead uh, to the future. Uh, but with that being said, we are going to close out 2017 uh, trying to make sure that we as Christians are not, are not growing cold, that we are staying on fire for the Lord. So let's look at the passage here, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple complex, his disciples came up and called his attention to the temple buildings. Then he replied to them, Don't you see all these things? I assure you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Then Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginnings of birth pains. Then they will hand you over for persecution and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will take offense, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations and the end, then the end will come. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning as we look at these verses and think about what they say. They're, they're kind of tough for us to wrap our head around, dear Lord, some of this stuff. But help us to get it. But help us, God, not to miss the point, not to miss what we're talking about today, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just touch our hearts, would help us to look into our hearts, look into our lives, to see, God, where we are in our relationship with you. God, <clears throat> to see if we are in a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you just would hide me behind the cross and humble me this morning, God, and let your word speak to each one here. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now Jesus is talking about things that are going to happen at the end of the age. His disciples, as Jesus began to talk about things that were going to transpire, he said, his disciples said, Jesus, tell us, how will we know the end of the age is near? How will we know that the end times are approaching? And Jesus began to answer uh, their question here in verse 3, or verse 4, I should say. Then Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Now this idea of deception is a major thing that Jesus wants his disciples, his followers, to be alert about. Now, Jesus goes on to say that there are many in the end times, and as time goes on past Jesus' time here, that there will be many who will come, and they will, they will try to lead people astray. Jesus says that there will be many who will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah. Now, there's a couple of different interpretations as to what that could mean. One could mean that people are coming, and they are literally saying, I am Jesus, follow me. And we know that to be true because we have seen in our lifetime that there have been people throughout the years who have claimed to be Jesus and who have led many people astray. Well, that very well could be what Jesus meant. And I think in some sense that is what he has meant. Not only in our lifetime, but ever since Jesus Christ has given his life on the cross, there have been countless people throughout the years who have claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus could also mean that there are going to be those who are going to say, I am the Messiah. That is, there are going to be those who are preaching God's word, and they are even going to claim that Jesus is the Messiah, but even some who claim Jesus is the Messiah don't really mean it, but are leading people astray. Both of those things could be true. Perhaps Jesus meant one, perhaps he meant the other, perhaps he meant both. But Jesus was very concerned to start this statement off in his response as to his disciples, do do not be deceived. Now those words to Jesus' disciples back then are just as good for us today. 
Because we face the same issues that Jesus' disciples did. There were people in the world then. There are people in the world now who want to deceive us. There are people who want to tell us things that are not biblical, that are unscriptural, that are going to take the focus off of Jesus Christ, off of the cross of Christ, off of Christ crucified, off of Christ's resurrection. And when we take our focus and our attention off of those things, we are left with nothing. When we take our focus off of Jesus Christ, church, we are doomed for disaster. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, be on guard for those who are going to lead you away from me, who are going to teach you foreign things that are not what God intended. Jesus tells his disciples, be aware of those things. Now, we need to be careful. With, with the world the way it is now, with technology the way it is now, it's not like we just have to be careful of who we see on the street. We encounter people who may be teaching and preaching false things everywhere we go. Facebook, on the TV, on the street, in magazines we read. There are always people that the devil is trying to use to plant that seed of doubt to lead people astray. So we must be careful in everything that we watch and everything that we read and everything that we do that we are not deceived. That's what Jesus' concern was here in the first thing he says to his disciples. Don't be deceived. And the deceptions, I believe, based on this text, will get worse the closer we get to the end times. Now, as we read these verses, Jesus begins to say a lot of things that are going to take place. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars, rumors and rumors of wars, see that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginnings of the birth pains. Now Jesus lists off things that we see happening in our world today. Now, some of you may be saying, well, yeah, but we've seen these things happen in the world throughout all of history, and you would be correct. Really, you could look at these verses and these things that Jesus mentioned, and you could find periods of history where all these same events took place, where there were earthquakes, where there were famines, where there were wars. There are periods of time throughout history where those things take place. And so it's not that we see these things in our world now that we're seeing something that other generations have not seen. That's why for thousands of years there have been people saying, I believe the time is near. I believe Jesus is coming back now. Look, the word says it. But Jesus said, look, all these things are going to take place before the end, but the end is, is not yet. Jesus said, you're going to see these things. When I'm dead and gone, Jesus tells his disciples, all right, you want to know how things, how you're going to know when things are, are, are getting closer, is you're going to see all of these things taking place. And these are the exact same things that we have seen taking place for hundreds of years since Jesus Christ has left this earth. Now, I'm not trying to convince you and say, oh, the time's not near, don't worry about it. I'm simply saying that Jesus said that these things were going to happen and they would continue to happen. But Jesus says that these type of events are not the end, but they are merely birth pains. And what I believe when I think about birth pains, and you women can correct me if I'm wrong, but they start out uh, very light and they progress and they get much worse and they get much worse, and they get much more frequent. And I believe that these events that Jesus Christ are talking about, while they're not, while they're not only for our generation and for our time period, they've happened all throughout the world, 
But I can't help but, but, but see that these events seem like they're becoming, getting a little more painful, a little worse, a little more extreme, a little closer together. Does that mean that Jesus Christ could be coming next month? Yeah, he could be. Could it be coming a million years from now? Yeah, he could be because these things have all happened. But I can't help but think that, boy, we see these things that take place and, and there's no question that we are closer to the return of Jesus today than we were yesterday. And we don't know when that time may be, which is why Jesus says, do not be deceived. Now, you guys have seen those people in your life. I know you've seen them. It happens uh, every few years. Somebody says, here is when Jesus Christ is going to return. Here is when the end of the world is going to take place. And you see these groups, and they sell everything they own, and they all get together, and they're sitting around the fire singing Kumbaya, waiting for the clock to strike that minute at that hour that their prophet who led them told them it was going to be, and all of a sudden the day comes, and guess what? Jesus Christ still hadn't come. And then they begin to make excuses. Well, we must have calculated the numbers wrong. We must have done something wrong. We, we've, 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 we've messed up on our own. Well, we don't want to get caught up in those things. We don't want to be deceived by those types of people. We need to read God's Word and know that nobody is going to know the day or the hour. And there are many who are deceiving many people who have told those lies. But in case you are not aware, Jesus Christ has not returned yet. And I guarantee you, you will know when Jesus Christ returns. There will not be any doubt in your mind. You will know when the Almighty Son of God makes His return to this earth. And what a glorious day that will be for us Christians. That's why when Jesus tells His disciples these things to look for, He says when you see these things, don't be alarmed. You know, sometimes we see these things on the news and we see these wars and it should not be a surprise to us. It should not be a surprise to us at all because Jesus Himself told us this a couple thousand years ago. Here's what's going to happen. Things in the world are going to get really bad. Do I believe the time may be close? Yes, it may be very close because these things that Jesus mentioned are not happening for the first time, but they're happening much more frequently, I believe, than any time that we have seen in history. If nothing else, this should get our attention, Christian. There are some people who invest a lot of time saying, well, when is Jesus coming back? There are some people who say, well, these things have been happening for years. I'm not worried about it. He may not come back for a million years. I'm not even going to pay attention to that. Well, we don't want to go to either extreme. We don't want to be those who are so consumed with trying to crunch the numbers and figure out the exact date, because we can, only the Father knows. But we also don't want to be those that say, well, all these things have happened before. Jesus isn't coming. I'm not worried about it. No, these events should get our attention. They should cause us to look and say, okay, Jesus said these things were going to happen. These things are happening, so we need to be on our guard. Yeah, sure, Jesus may not come back for another hundred years. I don't know. But anytime we read these words and we see the, these events, I believe that they're in God's Word for a reason. If not to tell us that Jesus is coming back next week, to tell us that we need to pay attention because we don't know when these events begin to take place. Verse 8, All these events are the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over for persecution and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Boy, we see those things in our world today. Again, these things are not true. 
These verses could be talking about Jesus just simply talking to his disciples. Jesus may have just been speaking personally to his disciples saying, look, you guys are going to experience these persecutions. Now, I believe Jesus was definitely speaking to them personally because, after all, they did experience great persecution. But he wasn't speaking only to them. He may have been speaking to them personally when he said this, but he was also speaking to all Christians because guess what? Turn on the news today and what do you see all around the world? You see Christians being persecuted. Again, this is nothing new. Christians have been persecuted ever since Jesus Christ himself. He was, he was the first Christian to be persecuted, and there were many since him who have been persecuted, and will be many from this point forward until he returns that will be persecuted. And Jesus tells his disciples, not only will you see all of these other things happening, and these are just the beginning, and they will get more frequent, and they will get more intense, but also you're going to have to suffer some personally. And we see that in our world today. It's very important too, Christian, that we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that we may not even know, those who are being held captive, those who are imprisoned right now, those who are dying today in this world because they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's happening right now. And, and, and we're kind of disconnected, right? Because we're kind of in this bubble. We're here in this, in this nice warm church. And we, if we don't watch the news, we might not hear about it. And even if we do, a lot of these things aren't, aren't broadcast. And we, we probably don't really realize the, the, the level and the intensity that these persecutions are taking place. They're happening right now. People are being persecuted. People are being killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. We need to pray for those who are in prison that God will give them the strength, that God will deliver them from what is going on, that God will remind them of these very words of Jesus Christ, that we ourselves would tuck these words away in our heart. So if, that's a scary if, so if that day ever comes in our life and we are in prison and we are persecuted and our life is on the line, that we will not forget these words of Jesus Christ who said, look, if you are mine... This is going to happen. And find some encouragement. And it's hard to find encouragement in that when, when somebody's got a knife at your throat. But let us be encouraged at Jesus' words. Let us be encouraged at the words of Jesus where he says, Look, don't fear those who can, who can, who can uh, kill and take the body but not touch the soul, but fear the one who has control over the soul. Now, that's a paraphrase of that verse. But that's what Jesus uh, was telling his people in. Those are verses that we need to remember and live by now. That whatever harm may come to us when these events happen that Jesus is talking about, that those who do these events to us cannot harm our soul. They cannot harm our relationship with Jesus Christ if we stand firm with him. Let's read a little further. Verse 12. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Now, we're going to kind of set up camp there for just a second. Now, we, we, could, we could debate and talk about these other verses and these events. Oh, could the, could the coming be near? Could it be far away? Could this mean that and that and the other? And if you want to talk about those things, I would love, I love to talk about those kind of things. We're not going to debate or argue, but we can talk about those later. But here's the key. You see, those things that, that, that Jesus just mentioned are things that we have no control over, are things that we can't, uh, we can't, can't do anything about. Those things are going to happen. Wars are going to break out. People are going to hate us. Uh, famines and earthquakes, those are things that we can't control as Christians. 
But there is one thing that we have some control over in our walk with the Lord. And Jesus says, because of all these things, because of all the sin that's going to come into the world, because of all the hatred and anger, He says, the love of many will grow cold. Now think about that for a second. Think about where you are in your walk with Christ. Now you can probably remember back, if you're a Christian, to when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and a term that sometimes we use as we may say we are on fire for the Lord. Some of you have been in a good relationship with the Lord or may still be in good relationship with the Lord, and you are still on fire for the Lord. You can't wait to go out and do God's work. You can't wait to go out and tell people about God's love. You can't wait to tell people that God loves them and, and God forgives them. You can't wait to just speak some scripture into their life. There are people out there probably in this, in this room, and some of you may be on fire for the Lord. But there may be some here today and you're not on fire for the Lord. Not only are you not on fire for the Lord, your love for the Lord has grown cold. You don't get excited about God's Word anymore. You don't get excited about serving God. You don't get excited about coming to church. You just come because you're supposed to, and if you're not here, everybody's going to wonder what's going on. And so you just kind of come and you go through the motions, but you're not on fire for the Lord. Your relationship with God has gone cold. Now, this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. Jesus says, as the end draws near, those who are his, that there are many who the love for him is going to go cold. And there may be some of you today, and you are just cold spiritually. You just don't feel like you're getting anything from God. You don't care really about God or God's word or doing God's work. And that's a dangerous place to be. Jesus goes on to say the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. So we have a choice to make as Christians. Are we going to let our love for Jesus Christ go cold? Or are we going to be those who endure till the end? If you are cold, what we do in, in a physical sense when we are cold is we try to keep warm. If we are cold, we don't let the cold consume us. That would be, that would be foolish. Just uh, a few nights ago, we were at a little Christmas party, and we went outside, and it was freezing cold. And you know what we did? We stood there and said, oh, it's so cold out here. No, that ain't what we did. You know what we did? We built a fire. I say we. By we, I mean Cyrus. Cyrus built a fire, and he lit it up. And guess what happened? As soon as the fire uh, became ablaze, it made everything better. We didn't just stand there like idiots in the cold and say, boy, I'm cold, I'm going to freeze to death. Instead, we said, no, we need to warm ourselves up. And so wood had been gathered, fuel was put on the fire, and it took a little while for the fire to get going. It took a little fire. It didn't just burst up instantly because it was cold and the wood was kind of wet. And when it's cold and the wood's wet, it takes a while for the fire to start back up. And I believe it's the same for us spiritually. It's sometimes we get so consumed with sin and we get so consumed with other worries and thoughts of the world that sometimes we just don't feel very spiritual. And it takes a little bit of spark. It takes a little bit of time for that fire to be rekindled. Oftentimes in my life when I feel like I'm cold spiritually, God doesn't just zap me with, a, with a, just a mega fire that just explodes. It takes some work. I have to fuel the fire. I have to do things that are going to get me prepared to be ignited for the Lord. 
first time you try to start a, a pile of wood that's a little a little wet, it may not want to burn good. It wants to kind of give out. It's the same with us spiritually. Sometimes we say, okay, God, I realize I'm cold. I want to get back into this thing. And then we start doing what we feel like we need to do. Uh, we pray for a day or two and we read a couple of chapters in the Bible and we're just not burning ablaze with fire. And we just say, well, I tried, God. I, I tried. I lit it up. It just didn't stay. And we just give up. No, when you're building a real fire in life, you don't just give up because you know if you give up, you'll freeze to death. So what you do is you keep working with it. You keep adding more wood. You keep adding more fuel to the fire. You keep relighting it if it goes out. And eventually, if you keep feeding the fire and feeding the fire, eventually what happens is the fire just... It finally catches on. And it gets to blazing so much you can't hardly stand the heat. And our spiritual life is kind of the same way. Sometimes spiritually we get cold because of our sinfulness, because of our lifestyle choices. And what God is calling us to do is to not die of, uh, of, of cold, but to rekindle that fire. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, first off, we've got to just go to the Lord and we've got to repent and say, God, I've gotten in a bad spot. I'm freezing to death here spiritually. We're going to die of spiritual hypothermia if you're cold and you don't seek the Lord and you don't seek some kind of warmth. If you don't seek some fuel for the fire so that you can rekindle your passion for the Lord, you're going to die of spiritual hypothermia. So don't give up. Fight for it. You wouldn't give up if you were in a forest and it was freezing cold. No, you would fight for it. You would use every bit of energy you had. You would rub every stick together you could find. You would do whatever you could do to make fire to keep warm, to keep yourself alive. And that's what we have to do spiritually. If you feel like you're in a bad spot spiritually where you're freezing to death, then you've got to give everything you've got to the Lord. You've got to go to the Lord. You've got to find everything you can. And you've got to say, God, I'm rubbing these spiritual sticks together, and I need you to reignite my soul, God. I'm in a bad place, but I need you to fuel my fire and ignite me for you. And Jesus warns his disciples. He says, look, as the end draws near, the love of many will grow cold. And I don't want us, church, to be part of that group that Jesus is talking about. I don't want Enterprise Baptist Church and all of us to be part of the group that, that maybe the devil gets into one of us or two of us and as a church we begin to freeze to death spiritually and we are those that grow cold. I want us to be those who are on fire for the Lord. I want us to be those who, are those who endure to the end and on the last day are saved by Jesus Christ when He returns. And so we've got to add a little fuel to our fire. There may be some of you today that you say, well, I'm not freezing cold, but... There may be some of you today that say, well, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. My relationship with God needs to be better than it is. I want to be closer to God than I am right now. And if we do, we've got to fuel the fire. We fuel the fire by seeking the Lord, by asking for, repent, for repenting of our sins, for asking for forgiveness, by coming to God and saying, look, God, help me. God, I'm struggling. We, 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 we fuel the fire by praying with one another, by praying for one another, by going to our brothers and sisters in Christ and building a bond and a trust that we can go to each other and say, I am cold and I need your prayers. And that's a really hard thing to do, right? That's a really hard thing to do because one, it's just hard for us to admit that we're not doing good. That's just human nature. It's hard for us to do that. Secondly, we're afraid, what if they tell somebody? Shame on you. If you're in this church and somebody has come to you and confided in you and asked for prayer because they were struggling and you told somebody else, shame on you. 
That's not what brothers and sisters in Christ do. If someone comes to you, we need to be a community that are so strong and love each other that we can go to someone that we love in our church and say, look, brother and sister, I am struggling. Would you pray for me? Without fear of them telling the whole world. So if you're tempted to do that, don't be. There are many ways that we can help fuel our fire. One of those ways that we are going to try to do this year as a church is to be in God's Word collectively as a church. Now, this is something I've been thinking about for the last few months, and this is something that we are going to do going forward, and I can't make everyone do it, but I want to encourage everyone to do it. I want to encourage us as a church, beginning tomorrow, January the 1st, to go through God's Word together. Now, we're going to do this in a simple way. We're not going to make this hard. We're not going to go through the whole Bible in a year. That's, that's kind of tough. I don't want to overwhelm people. But I think it's very important that as a church and as Christians that we stay in God's Word. Now, I know some of you read God's Word every day. Praise the Lord for that. If you do, that's great. But some of you don't. Some of you don't read God's Word ever. You just come to church and hear it on Sunday. But what I want us to do as a church, and I want you to really try about try this. I want you to really try, and it's going to be tough, but I want you to join this program that we are going to start tomorrow as a church to read through the New Testament in one year. One year. Now what I'm going to do at the end of, of church today is I'm going to give everybody one of these, these, these prayer calendars. 52 weeks, and here's how it works. You only have to read one chapter a day. That's it. You don't have to read several chapters a day. You don't have to read uh, two books a week. You're just reading one chapter a day. And not only that, you get two days a week off. Monday through Friday, one chapter a day. Saturday and Sunday, you get off. And if you read one chapter a day for five days a week, guess what? At the end of this year, you will have read through the whole New Testament. And I want to encourage everybody to take this journey. I think it will be beneficial for us individually. I think it will be beneficial for us as a church. If we're all reading the same thing in God's Word, when we get together and we can say, hey, you know what I read today in today's reading? I read this, and I don't really understand it. Or you know what I got from today's reading? I read this, and it really helped me to grow closer in my walk with the Lord. And so I want us as a church in 2017 to do this. And I want us to try to stick by it. If you're married, I want you to get your spouse, and I want you to try to read through it with them. If you have kids, maybe you can read through it with your kids. If you don't have time and you just need to squeeze it in there, one chapter a day. Probably won't take most of you 10 minutes to read through God's Word. And at the end of this year, we would have covered the whole New Testament as a church. If we want to fuel our fire and we want to keep ourselves from growing cold spiritually, I think the first place we need to go is to God's Word. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but a lot of times we're too busy to read it. And so I want you guys to pray about that. I want you to take one of these sheets. I want you to try it. I want you to encourage one another, that we hold one another accountable. If you and your spouse are going to go through the Bible to say, hey, we haven't read yet today. Because guess what? There are going to be days, these first couple of days, if you do this, you're going to be ready to go. That first week is going to be so good. You're going to read it every day. It's going to be great. And you're like, this is the best thing ever. Pastor Shan's so cool. He's so awesome. He's just got the best idea. And then two weeks in, you're going to be like, I don't want to do it tonight. Do you want to do it? No, I don't want to do it either. we just do two tomorrow night. Okay. And then two tomorrow night turns into three tomorrow night and four tomorrow night. Next thing you know, you're two books behind and you say, well, we can't do it this year. I'll do it next year. And that's what we do sometimes as Christians. We can't find time to read God's Word. We're talking about one chapter. One chapter. 
So I want to ask you guys to do that. I want to ask you guys to do that and hold each other accountable. When that day comes that you just, neither one of you, if you're a spouse, feel like doing it, or, or, or if you just need to call a friend and say, I just don't feel like doing it today, to encourage one another to do it, to hang in there. And I believe, I believe with all my heart that if we are faithful to read God's Word, I believe that we will see a difference. I believe that if we are faithful to read and discuss God's Word among one another, that we will begin to fuel the fire that God has placed in us. So if you're cold, don't stay in the cold. Don't be those that Jesus talks about. If we're cold spiritually, we need to warm ourselves up. We need to be those who are about doing God's Word because Jesus said, look, when the end comes, uh, when, when, when the gospel, when the good news is preached to all the people in the world, then the end will come. And guess who he called to do that job? That was you and me. When Jesus talks about the gospel being spread to all the people in the world, he wants us to do that. But we can't be effective for God as individuals and as a church if we are not on fire for God. And we can't be on fire for God if we never give God any time. If we never acknowledge God. If we come to church and just to kind of hear and, and, and don't really listen. If we never read God's Word, we can't be on fire for the Lord. So as we get ready for 2018, I want everybody to pray in a few minutes when we take this time. And I want you just to kind of examine your life. And I want you to say, hey, am I where I should be with the Lord? Am I on fire for the Lord? Am I freezing cold for the Lord? And wherever you may be in your life, we want to continue to strive forward to grow closer in our relationship with God. Let's pray. God, we come to you now, and I thank you for these words, and I thank you for these warnings that you give us about things to look out for, and we see those things. So help us just to, to, to be wise to, to see those things are happening and know that, God, the, the time could be close. But, God, no matter how close or how far away the time may be, Dear Lord God, I pray that you just help us to, to, to not be those who are cold for you. To not be those who lose our spark. God, it's easy for us to do. We get sidetracked with the world. We get sidetracked with our jobs. We get sidetracked with our family. We get sidetracked because we're tired. Uh, all these things, dear Lord, keep us from growing in you. That's the enemy's plan, God. And we see the enemy working so well in our world today and maybe even in some of our lives, God. But God, help us to be on guard that we won't be those that, that, that go cold here at the end, dear Lord, but that we would be those who are ignited by you. So help us as we begin to seek you, God. I pray for each one. I pray that you would help us all to be in your word. I pray that you would just help us to, to grow in it. I pray that each time we read, God, for all those who take part in this and want to read your word, God, I pray that you would just help us to get something from it, to, to give you our attention when we do it, whether it's reading personally or whether it's when we come to church, dear Lord. We want to we wanna read and grow and learn in your word so that we can be effective for your kingdom. And God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for what he did for us on the cross. I thank you for these words of warning and guidance and instruction that he gives us that we look at today. And God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that they would do so. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that they're yours, they're a Christian, but they're just not on fire for you now, God. I pray that you would touch their heart today and that in these few minutes they would uh, come to you and respond to you, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.